Welcome to Peeves' Gabfest, a chapter-by-chapter, page-to-screen analysis of the Harry Potter series. I'm Sarah Day. I'm James. I'm Meigs. And today, we are joined with our very first guest ever. (laughs) My co-creator of Fantasy Heroes, host of Animation Deliberation and Martial Art Extraordinaire, Zuhair Ali. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I thought I was going to be tired at this time, but just seeing y'all's wonderful faces has me lit up. So I'm I'm ready to go. Oh, <laughs> I feel so happy inside. I can't wait for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of this conversation, we are analyzing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone compared to the film as a whole. And we are getting Zuhair's input as a previously only movie fan, but has now read the book. We will be using our vast knowledge, our vast knowledge of the wizarding world to compare the pages to the screen. And we may gap about moments that happen later in the books or the film. So you've been warned, Dickle Firsties. But before we begin, a message from the Daily Prophet. No one wants to wait hours for a potion to brew. Ditch the cauldron and order a BlendJet 2 portable blender today. Sure to get you invited to Slughorn's parties, the BlendJet 2 makes blending so easy and convenient. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up your potions even while riding a broomstick. It's small enough to fit in your cloak, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like frozen fruit and lacewing flies with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning potion without waking up the whole common room. Lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. That, that's a muggle contraption. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. I really want to get the black one and add the Hufflepuff logo. Yes. Yeah, and I want a blue one so that it'll match, well, Ravenclaw, but also my kitchen counters. <laughs> <laughs> That's, like, super important. It's got to yeah. match the ke- kitchen counters. It's nice and convenient if that can happen. Black goes with anything, so I think I'm good. Yeah, it's true. Well, what are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code GABFEST12 to get 12% off your order and two free day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code GABFEST12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Welcome back, listeners. So, Zuhair, can you tell us a little bit about how you became a Harry Potter fan? So growing up, it was a lot of animated content for me. And um, based off the name of the podcast I run, you can tell that has not changed in the slightest. Uh, but there was two fandoms that I was obsessed with, one being Star Wars and the other one being Harry Potter. 
And it was just because I loved going to the movies. My parents had stores at Military Circle Mall, so it was easy to just kick me away for a couple of hours at the Cinemark that was over there. The Sorcerer's Stone was the first one that I watched on DVD because someone had gifted it to me and I fell in love with it just watching it the first time. But after that, every time a movie came out, it was just going to the theaters right away, wanting to watch it, the heavy anticipation of what's coming next. My best friend that I grew up with loved the books, but never spoiled anything for me. So I actually managed to go from middle school until the last movie in high school, not knowing the outcome, which was really cool. But after every movie, he would give me a whole breakdown. I was like, they didn't do this and they did this. And you got to read the book because yada, yada, yada. So it's like I kind of had an idea of all the stuff that I missed out on. But it's been an interesting venture of thinking that the movies were done and the new movies coming up and then now getting a series and then reading the books for the first time. It's it's been it's been cool just getting more and more involved in this fandom as it's grown with us. And how do you feel about like the show? At first, I was like, why? What are they thinking? And then when I calmed down and thought about it, I was like, this is actually really smart, especially because it's on Max with how great of a job they've done with things like Game of Thrones and the spinoff series for that. Um, With The Last of Us, the fact that they can take uh, a very unique type of storytelling that is a video game and make it its own thing and make it wonderful with incredible actors and incredible music, incredible story. I have nothing but high hopes for what they're able to do with the series. We do too. (laughs) But the bar is high. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So here. Yes. What house do you represent? So (laughs) in high school, when I took this random ass test, they put me in a random random ass test. Do you mean you went to Potter Moore's website and took the test? I can't confirm that it was Pottermore. Okay. I just know that there was a test that was going around and we were sitting in like study hall or somebody and like everyone took it at the same time. That's so cute. So I got Ravenclaw at the time. And more recently, and by recently, I mean like last year when Hogwarts Legacy came out, everyone's like, you have to take the official test. It doesn't matter that you took this one and that you're a Ravenclaw, yada, yada, yada. And For so long, people have been telling me that I'm a Gryffindor. And I was like, no, I took the test. I'm a Ravenclaw. What do you mean I'm a Gryffindor? Blah, blah, blah. And then I took the Pottermore test and it made me a Gryffindor. So I've had this identity crisis for the last 12 (laughs) months. Um, (laughs) If there could be like a major in one house and minor in the other, I guess it would be Gryffindor and Ravenclaw. But goodness, I love that idea of majoring and minoring. (laughs) I do too. Yeah. So now Zuhair is the Gryffindor representative, and that makes me Slytherin. James? Because she's so... And listeners. <laughs> I mean, the fact okay. that she's now wearing that we're green talking about this, that I she know. just gave. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait. wait. <laughs> wait, yes, because remember, back in the day when we first started, we were sharing our wands and our Patronuses, and Meeg's wand and Patronus have such Slytherin sli- uh, traits. So Meeg's, Meeg's Slytherins do exist, and you are a Slytherin. You, you are one of them. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that you're a minor in one. I mean, if you're going to be the Gryffindor, I have to major in one. I have to major in Slytherin. <laughs> but what did Pottermore tell you? I hope you realize Ravenclaw. how much this means that I am taking on the mantle of Slytherin for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm if, honored. If, if people are <laughs> if people are lost, Meigs believes that Slytherin doesn't exist and that there are nobody. There's nobody out there that actually gets Slytherin on the Pottermore test. Oh no! One of my friends like, got it, and he like reps it hard. Like he has like merch in his house, and he wears the jerseys. Is this from an imaginary Box friend? Like, no, I have plenty of them. <laughs> I will admit it if it was. <laughs> Just the way he went, no. <laughs> Not this time. Slytherin listeners, you need to be making yourselves known so that Meigs knows you are out there. Show yourselves. Yeah, because uh, I haven't heard a peep out of any of you. I know they have been written in. Um, join the Facebook group. Let her know. Tag her in the Facebook group. Yeah. We have to make a believer out of Meeks. We have to make a believer out of Meeks. Do you guys okay. want to guess what my Patronus is? A guess? Ooh, that's a huge like pool to choose from. Um, this is like more difficult than fan casting. <laughs> I would say some sort of stallion. <laughs> You would guess wrong. A centaur? Can no. centaurs be? Centaurs are I don't not think centaurs can be a Patronus. Okay, well, you all think that Slytherins exist, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to guess like a type of bird, like a hawk. Mm-mm. It's on four legs. A, a retriever. You're getting close? No. Terrier. No. Is it a dog? Are Cat. you a wolf? Yes, it is a dog. It's not a wolf. I wish it was a wolf. A beagle. No. No. A Dalmatian. It's more of a... <laughs> um, It's a little bit more of a... Uh, like an intense A Doberman. Dog, right? Yeah, something like greyhound. that. Greyhound. It's not a Doberman. It's not a Greyhound. It's a Wait, hold on. Dog. Is there a list of Patroni that we can look at? Well, I don't want to waste too much time. I can just tell you. I just want to see. Yeah, it. just tell us. <laughs> it's a mastiff. Oh, it's a mastiff. Nice. Oh, okay. Big boys. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it. That's it. It's big boys. Better than my terrier. <laughs> so yeah, that's been my one different crisis. <laughs> okay, um, zoo hair. Yes. What were your initial thoughts reading the book for the first time? I understood why <laughs> everybody said so much stuff was cut out. The The biggest thing for me, though, was specifically with Harry and Ron. I feel like they have whole of the personalities in the movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I when I was reading the books, it's like, you guys mentioned this a lot too, so I feel like I'm just going to be repeating a lot of stuff. It's just how snarky Harry is. Like he's so witty and has comebacks <laughs> yep. to everything. Like you cannot mess with him. And when you watch the mo- like I watched the movie two days ago to be like ready for this, to have it fresh in my head. And it's like whenever he's snarky, it's like it almost feels off character for the movie version, where it's like those lines of like snapping at Malfoy like make sense for how he's depicted in the book. And another big one was Ron, because I feel like because he has so many successful brothers, he's just kind of like the kid who sits in the basement wanting to play video games and watch Quidditch. Like he just doesn't (laughs) care. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to like live up to anything because it's like with all that his brothers have done, like what could he possibly do at this point? Right. Um, So in the, 
in the movie, he just seems so like squeamish and whiny and but like he can actually stand up for himself. So that's been the the most interesting comparison from book to movie right now is not only how much information has been left out within reason. I have thoughts on that, but just how it just seems like some of these characters are entirely different characters from what they were intended to be. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty spot on with a lot of how we all feel. So it's, Mm -hmm. I guess, good to know that somebody with a different perspective with not reading the books until recently, like they can sense that pretty much right away when they do read the books. Mm -hmm. And I could not put the books down. (laughs) Yeah, aren't they yeah. so good? I, I had to switch like to a whole other genre because my goal right now is to read a book, watch the movie, so that it's like I only have like the book perspective because it's been a while since I've rewatched all of them. Goblet of Fire is my favorite. I, it's just like a feel good movie that I watch over and over oh, again. Oh my like gosh! Wait until you read the book. Yeah. Um, but for everything else, it's just kind of like, I haven't done a rewatch in maybe like three, four years. So I'm like trying to have a book only perspective and then watch the movie at the end of it and just like, Oh, so Goblet of Fire is what I listen to most often to go to sleep. And I think I've said it on the podcast plenty of times, but there's just so much cut from that one. And I can't wait. We're going to have all out on that. We're going to have to have you back on. If that's your favorite movie, I can't wait to see what you say about the book. And you also don't have an option. We're going to be forcing you to come back on the show. So, Oh, darn. (laughs) (laughs) That's the Slytherin in me talking. (laughs) Oh, Zuhair. Yes. What did you think about Peeves? All right. So (laughs) I have not played all of Hogwarts Legacy, but I have played it at my friend's house. And it just so happened when I was playing there was a mission where you are with a Slytherin classmate and you have to go to the restricted section of the library and you get caught by this ghost. And he was like, students in the restricted section, I'm telling. And I'm just like, this dude is so much fun. Like, why wasn't he ever in the movies? (laughs) And then when you guys started this podcast and I asked Sarah, I was like, why is it named Peeves Gapfest? Who's Peeves? And she describes like who this ghost is. I was like, is that the ghost that was in the video game? I love that dude. (laughs) So then we just have to clarify here that it's a poltergeist, not a ghost. Uh, Another word I have to remember now. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I'm going to make you all cringe, but I'm just going to keep calling it a ghost just for the sake of conversation. Um, Careful. Just, just for myself. um, 10 points from Gryffindor. I literally just looked up my points thing and I was like, I think we're going to need to start doing the point (laughs) system here. Um, so yeah, I absolutely loved seeing that depiction of him in the video game first, and it just made it like so much more funny and so much more enjoyable to like read that character. Love it. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Well, let's get into kind of reviewing the book kind of through the different acts. And so our first act is the introduction to the Dursleys, our introduction to Harry and the Wizarding World. What were your thoughts kind of on that first chapter and the the whole thing about, um, you know, Vernon and the, the day in the life of Vernon Dursley? Before we even get into 
Dursley, that first chapter needs to be an episode of its own. Yeah. Of delivering Harry the like if if the episode doesn't start off with just wand fireworks going off, I will be very disappointed. Because as I'm watching this episode, first off, rushed is correct. Oh my god, was it just burning through things. But just the the level of emotion and the storytelling like really set an idea of what the world was like. You understood so much more about muggles and how secret the wizards tried to be, but the intensity of the situation was just so ridiculous and so insane and so terrifying that like they could not contain themselves from excitement when he who shall not be named was finally taken down. So I, with how much emotion and how much framework that first chapter really set, like I really feel like it needs to be an episode of its own. Yeah. Um, going into really the Dursleys. Point. Going into the Dursleys, yes, we need all of the montages. Uh, <laughs> the best example that I can think of is if you guys have seen the show Flight Attendant with yes. um, Casey Coco, the girl from Big Bang Kaylee. Theory. Kaylee Coco. Yeah, girl from Big Bang Theory. Every time that there's like a scene transition, there's like a triptych of her doing like different things relevant to the scene before going into it. And I feel like if Harry Potter were to embrace that as a transition form, um, whether it be like the day to day life things that he does or where the mail was coming in from when he was trying to get his letter, that would be such a cool, fun, dynamic way to be able to have these transitions and give an idea of just how extravagant everything was without taking up too much time. Yeah. That's a so. really creative way to do it. I got both of Mises trigger words out of the way quick. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, other than I just like agree, I think it was, I think it was rushed what they did in the film and I, um, there's just, they just took so much, they took a lot of content out, of course, but they took a lot of feeling out of that whole, that whole chapter that really sets the tone for the entire series. And so it just kind of like, it's just like, feels really flat what they did. So can't wait to see what they do in the, in the show. And then hopefully they allow that, you know, that whole first chapter to be, if not the first episode, then at least a significant part of it. So a question for Zuhair would be for me would like, what was one thing you felt like the movies did really well from the books? Like what was one like what was something that transferred from the books to the movies that like, you felt was like, you still like really like from the movie. Hmm. So the reason that I was into movies and TV as a kid more than books is because I really had trouble reading. And it was very difficult for me to stay focused and engaged. I think Alex Ryder was probably like the only series that like actively got me to finish books and keep going. So even though there was parts of the the movie that felt rushed and in comparison to the book, I feel like the sets and the way that they made the uniforms and stuff. When I was reading the book a couple of months ago, I think that assisting my imagination kind of helped make the process of reading a lot easier, if that makes sense. I don't think yeah, with totally. 
with all the characters like I was perfectly like imagining them like I was reading it but in terms of how the spells look and what the environment was like and what to expect of the school um just the whole world building stuff like that stuck with me and I think that's what really helped my reading process and if you are a person who's listened to this cast that prefers the movies because you have trouble readings I highly recommend uh ebooks because apparently there's something about having bigger letters with space between them that helps your brain um, process if you have reading issues. Um, and they so have, um, I think they have nice um, like dyslexia fonts or like dyslexia yeah. friendly fonts that I like using too. Um, and especially on um, I can't remember now if it's on iBooks or on Libby, which are like the two main platforms that I use for eBooks. But um and then I've used Kindle a lot too, and they all have pretty good font options. But one of them, mm-hmm. I think it's Libby actually has like a dyslexic specific font. And I don't, I, I've never been diagnosed with dyslexia. So I don't, I can't like speak for somebody who has been diagnosed with it. But the way that they have shaped the letters is supposed to be very helpful for people to read. So in case that's helpful for anybody there, there are options out there that are much more um, common. Zoo, you also talked about the version of the Harry Potter book you had was like, a special edition yeah. where they took the imagery from Pottermore and put it into the e-reader, the ebook. Yes, it is so cool, especially because of how the movies have the newspapers where it's basically a gif on a paper. You get that with that artist style, like on the pages. So when they're really trying to describe something, like you flip a page and then there's like the small animation of like trying to you know, elaborate and show a little bit of like what they're trying to express. And I just, just me being the tech person that I am, it just really made me geek out because the artwork itself was just so beautiful. And then having those little, in case I was struggling, like having that little assist of like, does this help you? It it doesn't paint the whole thing, but it gives you just enough to kind of like boost your imagination. It was, it was really cool. And that was the, an Apple books version. I love it. I love good storytelling. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we all do. (laughs) (laughs) I had another question for you because you were talking about how the imagery is what you really liked from the films. Um, But how did you feel specifically about the costumes and how they kind of, in the first two films, were in their robes pretty much the whole time. And then as the series went on, they were in less wizardy attire. And also the fact that the wizard attire is very colorful and like avant-garde kind of in the books. I was about to say in the movies, was it that colorful? Cause it mostly was blacks and grays and they just kind of had an accent of whatever your house color was. And I think something like that is really important in the sense of uniformity, because at the end of the day, whether you are trying to get points for your house, you still represent Hogwarts as a whole too. Right. Um, especially because like in Goblet of Fire, you have other schools coming in. So to be able to have that distinction and representation is like super important. I don't think it bothers me that they had more non-wizardy clothes because they were on the run a lot too. And there was just more situations where they just weren't at Hogwarts or needed to blend in, or it was just a matter of like, get just hold on to whatever you can get your hands on. Uh, so it was notable but it wasn't anything that bothered me or threw me off in any way which also that brings up the question like there's a history to hogwarts to why they have four different houses is it known that any other school does a house system 
Yes, uh, the American definitely does, and I'm in the house Pugwudgie. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> and You're the a American school is called Pugwudgie. The American school is called Ilvermorny. Yeah, I don't know my house for that one. I I'm going to log in right that. now because I always forget. They're all kind of odd, but I mean, I guess when you think about it, the Hogwarts ones are too. But I mean, Hogwarts. I know. <laughs> <laughs> There's the Horned Serpent, I think, is another one. That's a cool name. Or it's the images for, is I don't know. I might, it's been a long time. All I remember is that I'm a pug wedgie. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to forget that. It's hard to forget that one. Yes. So that's why I'm a proud Hufflepuff. <laughs> Hufflewudgie? <laughs> I'm a Hufflewudgie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now I learned something new that other houses still have that house system or other schools have that house system. So the the school has four houses, the horns, horn serpent, wampus, pugwudgie and thunderbird. I mean, I couldn't be a thunderbird. And apparently instead of placing a hat on students heads, teachers at Elvermorny bring the students to a hall with four carvings representing the houses which one reacts in it, whichever one reacts is the one that the student is sorted into. Ooh, I kind of like that. It's not as cool yeah, as a sorting cute. hat, but I still like that. Aww. It's more like mystical, kind of. It is. Yeah, I kind of like that. Well, I mean, I guess a talking mm. hat that reads your mind is pretty mystical, but. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so something we discussed uh, earlier before was like the, the, the sorting hat and like how it like how it's talking to Harry, but like, we're not sure if it's do- like talking to everybody else. I recently just discovered in and like listeners, you can take this with a grain of salt, but I like to headcanon the Hogwarts mystery app game as additional content. So, okay. you know, do whatever you want. But <laughs> I played my character just recently had like a little interaction with the sorting hat and the sorting hat told him to put him on so that he could talk in private with my character. Oh. And so I had other people like other friends with me uh, that were there right next to me. But because I had put him on the, the sorting hat was having a private conversation with me. Uh, and so basically was making it uh, making it. Um, they had suggested that he had like a, some legitimate ability which was being able to talk to you through your mind. And so that to me makes sense that he can kind of just talk to you personally through your mind Mm -hmm. and figure out what you are, like what house is like, what house you want to go into uh, or need to go into. And then he can just turn it off and go Gryffindor to everybody. And everybody's just like, but nobody's hearing that conversation he's Mm -hmm. having with them. So when you take it into the movie perspective, He's talking to Harry, but nobody else is is hearing what he's saying to Harry because it's a private conversation between the two. And I thought that that was a really nice, like, little tie-in and, and yeah. Yeah. to kind of doing that. I really didn't think that him just, like, having a conversation, like, at a lower tone was that baffling. Because, like, even recently, like, we had testing at our martial arts school. And there's a moment where it's, like, they come up to get their certificate and get their tape on and stuff for their rank. And it's, like having a conversation with that student, but even the person like next to me, like can't hear what I'm saying. Cause it's just, it's at that tone. It's that, and I like raised my voice to bring up the next person or announce the person or, you know, X, Y, and Z. So like, 
I never really thought that much into that. Like, it's a great hall. There's a lot of people. People are probably whispering like, oh, no, that person's probably going to be this. And now he's definitely going to come over here. In this instance, oh, crap, it's Harry Potter. Like, no one's like actually trying to be quiet and listen to what's going on. It's it's a bunch of kids, you know, Mm. just shocked that a celebrity is at their school. (laughs) So it wasn't too baffling to me that this dude is on a stool, on a step, in a great hall at a good distance away from everybody else. I'm sure McGonagall's just like, yeah, I'm going to give them their privacy. And they're just talking and then Gryffindor, like just, it made sense to me. <laughs> All right. Fine. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> physics of acoustics, I guess. <laughs> they can still do that there. They defy yep. a lot of physics, but still happens. <laughs> Before we continue more into the Hogwarts and the aesthetic and everything at Hogwarts, Let's backtrack a little bit to the Diagon Alley and everything that happens there. Was there anything that stood out to you, differences or similarities or anything you want to talk about comparing Diagon Alley from the movie to the book? I want that montage. (laughs) (laughs) I, I want that flight attendant style triptych where it's just... He hits the bricks and he's like, let's go shopping. And then it cuts into like three different scenes happening at the same time of him looking at owls for the first time and trying to hold all of his books and going, not going through the wands, uh, maybe just trying on robes and one being too big and the arms like hanging off and just little fun things like that, you know, push like the cart is getting heavy. So like Hagrid is pointing at stuff and he's just like trying to push with all his might. Um, I, I really really want this triptych style to happen i have not been able to stop thinking about it since the first time you said montage and (laughs) flight attendant is a hbo max series so it's like just call that dude up and be like get some advice (laughs) on how to do it if they could grab that director as a whole that'd be amazing too so it's like yeah i do want to see more of it because i did go through it super quick and again if if episode one is setting a foundation of the balance between the wizarding world and the muggle world. This is your first introduction to just how extravagant the wizarding Mm. world is. And that deserves a lot, a lot, a lot of time. Well, I Um, think that um, for the purposes of this episode, Slytherin and Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw should each get 10 points for creating... um, an internal monologue for you, Zuhair, where you can't stop thinking about montages. <laughs> montages and rushed. I have shirt designs <laughs> like ready for those two words too. That I've been meaning to love make. it. You mentioned the director of the flight attendant and how that's an HBO show too. And what's really great about the flight attendant is I think it, the show, um, it has the humor, but it also has like the drama and the seriousness, mm-hmm. uh, which I think combines the three of us and what we keep talking about, what we want to see in the show. So I think that's an excellent idea, Zuhair, the director of that show and the showrunners need to come on over to Harry Potter. Yeah. And also just with the way that you guys have talked about the comparisons, like I've never wanted, I never thought that I wanted a sitcom director to run a couple of these episodes just the way that this dialogue is run, like at 1000%, like just, just grab the dude from the office and be like, yo, what's, what's your advice on this? Like if him, the dude from flight attendant and the credits from young justice could just all be in a room together and make the show. I think that would be incredible. Uh, I'm so happy to hear you say that. (laughs) Validation. (laughs) 
validation from animation deliberation. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> so I again, agree, justice obviously. reference. When this when this popped into my head, I actually called Sarah Day and I was like, I'm driving right now, so I can't write this note down, but it does need to be said. So while it's fresh in my head, is one of the cool things about how season two does their credits is they do credits and then they have like something from the show just chilling like in the background. So like if somebody has like a unique DC universe vehicle, like like the, the Marsh truck, like somebody's actually underneath like working on it and st- like the credits are rolling or Wolf the dog is sleeping. Mm-hmm. So I would really like to see some sort of integration to the Harry Potter world. Like, like the the potions instructor like actually like cleaning out the stuff or somebody working yeah. like on their broom, like getting ready for a Quidditch match. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, Hermione just like studying in the library or stuff like that. Yeah. I like can't remember which episode realism. it was or what the direct context was, but it was about like trying to find ways to just show this greater world without it like interfering with the pacing of the story. So being able to work with the credits to do something like that would be really cool too. I love that idea. I love that idea so much. When he called me and told me that, I'm like, that is so brilliant. And like, I wanted to steal it, but I didn't. Okay. So <laughs> we're all in agreement that Zuhair should be um, on the production team with the three of us. And that's, <sighs> we that's my greatest honor of the night now. <laughs> <laughs> Any more about Dagger? Any, yeah, any other thoughts on Act One? Between- um, no, nothing really. I'm I'm trying so hard not to mention my peeve. So let's just move on so I forget about it again. <laughs> uh, you know so, what we've dealt with for 17 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about Movie Snape versus Book Snape? That kind of goes into my salute there okay, are... don't say it okay yeah don't, don't say it's it. it's one third of it wow it's, a... it's also kind of early to ask him that because there's like the big reveal happens later and there's still so much in the books that he hasn't gotten to yet but i would like to see like ask him now and then ask him in book seven so definitely yeah what I'll, what i will say to answer that question is the impression of the movies was so strong in my mind that like I couldn't quite shake that mm-hmm. when I was reading the books because I feel like he did such a fantastic job that that's that's the only Snape that I could see while I was reading. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree now that I've seen the movies 10 billion times, I agree that it's really hard to get the image of Alan Rickman out of my head for Snape. Mm-hmm. When I, as we've all discussed on the podcast, like we all are pretty much in agreement that like the, wait, no, maybe that's not true. James, I can't remember what you, what you said. Okay. Sarah Day and I feel like um, Snape looks different in the books, like the book version. Yeah, no, I different. said that. Okay. 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 Um, and so it, I now have a harder time separating Snape from Alan Rickman just because I you know the movies are ingrained in my brain but I do Mm -hmm. feel like um reading the books for years before the movies came out you know I did have an image of who Snape was in my head and Alan Rickman unfortunately does not match that yeah yeah no for me Snape was always um 
a little bit more temperamental, uh, a little bit more eccentric. He uh, definitely looked different. He had a lot, a lot more grimy hair uh, than yes. what Alan Rickman's uh, character had. He was a guy that really just didn't take care of himself um, because looking good wasn't his priority. Essentially, uh, he was just resent like he was just resentful. He was, like his life was crap, <laughs> and so uh, it was just uh, to me. He is this. He he's this character that is complete opposite parallel to what Alan Rickman did. I really like what Alan Rickman did, and I really like like his story and how he portrayed mm-hmm. the character and and the the parts of the character that got highlighted really well by his portrayal was was really outstanding to me. But I I love reading the books and going back and seeing the book Snape because to me. Uh, those outbursts means like mean something for me as like a, mm-hmm. just a, a character driven person. I really love character choices and, and things like that. And just, it, I feel like the, the live action portrayal of Snape is missing out on the ability to just show how temperamental uh, and how intimidating Snape can be when he, yeah bursts out at these like when he bursts out in this at these students and you're kind of just like why did dumbledore make that guy a teacher right (laughs) there's like a good amount of times where you're kind of just like why like why was that guy a teacher why does dumbledore trust this guy you kind of feel like the same like when harry and ron and hermione are saying like these same exact questions you're like why is this guy a teacher like i don't get it but it's to to have that i feel like would be a missed opportunity to explore that version of snape in the tv show so i have two thoughts on that um first as you were describing that i actually thought of how remus came across in live action because he was kind of beat up and scruffy and just you, you could see the exhaustion in his eyes the way you describe snape right now is kind of like how remus was depicted when he first showed up uh, and I do actually remember that episode of you guys talking about the casting for Snape. And I do agree that whoever does get casted for this just needs to read the book and come up with their own depiction and not focus on um, trying to copy Rickman's performance because that's where the the, the bar is so high. That's where the, the possibility of slipping up could come in where yeah he just needs to trust in the acting ability and kind of make it his own thing. It's, it's just kind of like how with the Joker is like Heath mm-hmm. Ledger sets such a high bar. It's like, right. you may not be able to match that bar, but can you do yeah. something that just makes it make, your own? Do a different right. bar basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. More walking Phoenix, Phoenix and less Leto. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other characters that stand out to you that were really different when you read the books and, made you think huh why did the film do it that way i think harry and ron were my two big ones what okay. yeah, yeah you talked about that in the beginning i know yeah so <laughs> harry i feel like was too polite where oh, he was oh, very witty okay. in the book and i want to see more of that like it it really was like the movie versions of harry and ron were just so different that even thinking about the personalities that they had in the books and then thinking about the movies in the future, 
like there's certain times like when he takes that confidence potion where it's like this just doesn't fit and now i understand like what they were going for because of how they wrote them in the first book but because they've gone x amount of years with keeping harry very reserved and ron very like cowardly that these changes like sorry for the spoiler like when ron becomes a quidditch player like that didn't make any sense to me but reading the Mm -hmm. books and how they write his personality that way i was like oh that tracks like i could totally see this version of ron being a quidditch player not the one that we've seen in the movies all this time so that was my biggest gripe, especially with those two characters. Oh that... There are so many things I can't wait to talk to you about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I would just like to clarify my my shocked um, surprise that I had. I thought you were saying that like... I preferred like, movie. No, Well, no, that like Daniel Radcliffe did a bad job. Oh, no, no. Uh, I thought that's what okay, you meant at first, and I was no, like, no, 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 no. I'm about to leave the chat. No. no. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this all makes sense. <laughs> No, and no, like, no. what about I... look wise? Do you like? Are, well, first of all, um, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but did you guys know that some people like have a mind's eye and some people don't? Like, some people can like I can just say picture a blue dress, and like, can you picture a blue dress in your mind? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we all can. Okay, Matthew, my husband, cannot, and so like, um, like when he reads a book, he can't imagine mm. the characters so when he reads harry potter he is imagining the movie characters because that's what they are yeah, he's already seen um them. but um so zuhair since you do as you were reading the books did the movie characters keep coming in or did you have any other images come to mind as you were reading i think the movie characters kept coming in and it was just kind of like a I guess mental adjustments as I went, Mm -hmm. but then I like watched the movie. So I don't know like what it would be like if, and that's specifically why I tried reading the whole book before I saw the movie again. So the movie like wouldn't influence my perspective at all. And then what about the illustrations from the book that you said were, were there? It didn't do too much on the people. It was more like scenery than it was characters Mm -hmm. themselves. Okay. Interesting. Um, Talking about the the mental imagery thing reminds me of um, like how I learned like this year or last year or something that um, some people have an internal monologue constantly going and then some people don't. And I thought <laughs> yeah, everyone, I do. I thought everyone did. And then I learned that some people don't have a voice talking to them all day long. <laughs> wild yeah i, I definitely that's like, why i reacted what? so confidently when you oh commented goodness. on my imaginary friends they're all here <laughs> right now i'm so glad that we're all so very similar because that constant voice in my head never shuts up mm-hmm. yeah me neither so i was going and now that i've been watching ted lasso i've been binging ted lasso the my internal monologue that's is british whole, right now oh my gosh we're all just gonna have right a whole now. ted lasso um <laughs> episode after this because we now we have should. all seen it well i haven't seen it all the way through so i'll keep binging I'm so happy you're watching i'll keep binging that. Please move on. and it's so funny because i'll like be going about my day and i won't even like notice and then all of a sudden i'll be like i've had a british voice in my head all day long. <laughs> no mine is specifically roy kent oh interesting <laughs> nice <to have> that. <laughs> Because the amount of times that yeah. I'm just listening to a realtor say the dumbest things and the amount of times I drop the F-bomb in my brain, it yes. comes out as Roy Kent in my That's brain really now. That's really funny. That's hilarious. I don't have a very specific voice. It's just 
mine. mine. No, I, I say I strive to be Coach Beard, but my my spirit animal is Roy Kent. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll leave choice. it at that. Please move on before I make this a Ted Lasso podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so going into Act Two, we've kind of covered Act One and we've talked about general stuff. Going into Act Two, we the trio figures out what the Sorcerer's Stone is, who Nicholas Flamel is. There's a lot more Snape going on. How are you thinking about the classes and this whole mystery of the book in the film? So I watched the second Fantastic Beast movie a couple of months ago, and now that's the only Flamel that I see. Um, <laughs> yep. So I'm glad that I had that mental image because him just like walking yes. like everything is so <laughs> fragile and you just hear He's like the great. glass shatter when somebody like touches his hand. Um, I like that. This is where I appreciate movies because that helped my mental image when I was reading the book where it's like, I don't think I've ever pictured like what Flamel looked like until this happened. So I I think it added some intensity. I know I'm skipping ahead, but it's like where he has to, where he has like just enough elixir to like, you know, deal with his affairs and stuff. But I, I see this old scrawny person like laying in a chair, laying in bed, like needing someone to write something down or having a, a spell quill to take these notes down and stuff and get everything in order because like his body is just like really deteriorating. So the, the whole perspective of the sorcerer stone and kind of how I look at magic has changed quite a bit in the last year from reading this book and watching this stuff, because I feel like magic is almost like, chemistry like you understand how like that water is h2o but that's why they're going to school because they need to understand how the words and the tools and the motions and all that stuff like comes together to make this chemical compound it's not snap your fingers and something magically happens like this really is a science that's causing these things to come together and that's why there's so many different fields that's why there's so many different tools and items and like it's weird to say like the the stuff in the magic world did not come magically. It's <laughs> <laughs> really interesting. Yeah. I'm liking your insights. So Neville. <laughs> What'd you think about Neville? We didn't get enough of him in the movie. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so glad you agree. <laughs> so we didn't get enough of him in the movie and I feel like he was a big part of why I don't agree with Ron's depiction because Ron is very like timid and cowardly in the movie, but there's a lot of times where it's like he's standing up for Neville against Malfoy's goons in the books. And like I said, it's like it's not like he's not talented. It's just that his brothers have done so much that he's just a basement child wanting to watch Quidditch. So it's it's not like that he can't hold his own or, you know, fight for his friends or stuff. Like he has a lot of confidence and he's ready to throw down if he needs to. So the lack of Neville in the movie took a lot away from what Ron I think is supposed to be. Hmm. Yeah. Love it. So follow up question. Uh, and this is kind of more for the, like the end of the movie, but like when you watched the movie for the first time, cause I'm curious, <laughs> did it, did you know that professor Quirrell was the bad guy 
before they revealed it or was that like a surprise okay i see where you're going with this (laughs) it was a surprise Mm -hmm. and that's why i was happy they were consistent with the turban yeah because i feel like that would have been more of a giveaway had he not been wearing it and then all of a sudden wearing it because then it looks like he's hiding something Mm-hmm. And I understand it from the book's perspective because I can see that as a detail of somebody just like forgets yeah. however many chapters yep. later because it mm-hmm. was just so quick. Like, oh, he's wearing a turban this time. Mm-hmm. But from a movie perspective, like see him. I noted that. I was like, oh, he is wearing it. He's still stuttery. Uh, I like that that was just part of his look. So it wasn't unusual Yeah, when it came back. Yeah, it's hard when it's like right there in your face. Like you mm-hmm. you see it. Um, and so mm-hmm. if you didn't see it, it would be a lot more noticeable in, in a movie version. And he was the only one in the pub that like really got like a whole introduction and everything, too. So yeah. it's like he stood out in that moment. Right. So it would have been very, very notable to be like, hmm, why is he wearing a turban all of a sudden? Yep. Yeah, good point. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. So we jumped right into act three, which is getting the stone and like James just said, Quarles reveal. Tell me about your thoughts on the uh, additional two tasks getting to the stone that were in the book that were cut from the film. And did you, did you miss them? Wait, uh, refresh my memory. What were the two tasks? So there was a troll, but he was already knocked out. So they got to skip past the troll and then the potions that Hermione figures out. I'm, drawing a blank on that from the book because they go down and they do the devil snare and um the keys and then the chess match and then they both leave ron Ron. unconscious at the chess match and they go into the potions and then hermione climb over the the, they climb over the troll and there's a it's a riddle that snape's put together for the person saying okay. one one potion gets you to go back out of the room through That's a wall right. of flame, and the other one lets you proceed forward. Okay, I do remember that now. <laughs> and then, like, the others kill you. Hmm. There was, like, seven. And it's all about battles. logic, so it gives Hermione her spotlight. So she ended up getting her spotlight by remembering the herbology course and that they would that it didn't react well to the sun so i guess that's why it doesn't bother me because she still had her moment to display her intellect Hmm. um interesting so if they put it in the show great if not it wouldn't bother me because she still has her moment and maybe they can not rush that as much maybe you can actually see ron passed out or actually getting choked out and the color losing from his skin and hermione like really being frantic because she in this whole story is book smart but can't necessarily act when it comes to a tense situation which is why she was like screaming for help with the troll and it's why you know she took a while to come up with the response to was a devil snare that was called mm-hmm. yep um so i i do like how they were still able to give her the spotlight but if you have the duration of a show something like that needs to be stretched out longer to put her in that tense 
time sensitive situation of her friend like literally about to be choked out if she doesn't figure it out. I want to see more tension there. Well, it gives her opportunity to grow as a character. Like it gives her the flaws and her weaknesses um, mm-hmm. that she is going to learn to overcome through the next coming years and, and all yeah. that stuff. So, mm-hmm. kind of sets things up better. Yeah. Yeah, I guess overall, just it doesn't bother me because she still got to do that. Sweet. Okay. Okay. Any other thoughts on Act Three and the finale? Um, Quidditch <laughs> yeah. is a huge <laughs> part of Harry's life now. Like when he's stressed out, he can't stop thinking about Quidditch, and he thinks about having to go to practice. I want more of that in the show mm-hmm. because we had the one game, and it was just like, "Well, Quidditch season's over." Like, no, <laughs> like he, like this is the one, like this is his first hobby. Really, it's the mm-hmm. one thing that he's doing out of joy for himself so i want to see him like in his quidditch uniform or like meeting up with hermione and ron like straight from practice or having to leave early because he has to grab his gear or having those montages those those little flight attendant triptychs that i love so much of him you know just working out and you know spending time afterwards and having more training stuff um this it's interesting how much the books talk about sports whether it be golf basketball there was the character who could not stop talking about um talking about his soccer club that he loved uh, i'm trying to remember what the club was but everyone's just kind of like stop talking about city no No, that's my i don't know uh, I definitely would have known if it was man I, it wasn't it wasn't one of the Manchester's. I would have remembered that yeah it's, it, a, it's a real team yeah it is a real team um, because I I caught on to it and I think those balances between tra- thank you thank you You're welcome because it was um, I don't know how far you were in head last time I showed my mouth West Ham becomes relevant in that show anyways um so the fact that sports is such a big thing and that like whether you are from the muggle world that found out that you have powers or you grew up in the wizarding world and you are a big fan of quidditch like it's such a big part of their culture and their lives and it becomes so big for harry i want him to have more opportunities in the show to like constantly be thinking about that and be part of his identity more instead of just one quick cut of quidditch related stuff Mm -hmm. Um, well because it it also becomes the one thing that he's like he's good at in a world that Mm -hmm. he does not he like knows nothing about yeah like he's constantly worried about not being good enough for the wizarding world and like not being a good performer in 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 magic and in like failing his classes but then he figures out that he's naturally talented at doing quidditch and it's like the it's the one thing he's like well, I can do this. Like, let's do this now. And he like adopts it into his thing because that's the one thing he knows that he can, he can do well. It's really where he feels safe. I'm getting, yeah, I'm going to bring it back around to the trials again and have, they each have their own spotlight because Quidditch and being skilled at flying specifically saves Harry a few times in the series. And in the trials, they each get their own spotlight in the book. Obviously, Ron in both book and movie gets the chess match 
um, which kind of showcases how he's, I don't want to say logic because that's Hermione's, but strategic. Thank you. Strategy. And then Hermione's the logic with the potions and Mm -hmm. she gets them through. And then um, Harry flies to catch the key to get them through the locked door. And so they each have their own little specialty and Quidditch is Harry's and it always is. (laughs) Yeah. They just go into so much detail just of how much it's on his mind, no matter what Voldemort related thing that he's thinking about that. I want to see more of that be part of his identity. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think um, looking at it like that, like how it is part of his identity, and then when they take that out of the movies, they take away part of his identity. I think that's mm-hmm. a good way to like describe what that lack means, I guess. Yeah. What else, Suhair? Uh... Do you have any questions for us? Yeah, we've been questioning you this entire time. Yeah, that the school one was a big question for me for sure. Um, just because I wasn't sure. And by the way, I um, did my Ilvermorny quiz. They don't have it like on wizardingworld.com. So I don't know what. But when I tried to Google search for it, I wasn't getting anything that looked like an official um, Harry Potter website. So I went to wizardmore.com because that was the first one that popped up. So I figured that's the most popular. And I got exactly 25% between all four of the Ilvermorny houses. So (laughs) take your pick. I am not sorted into any of them. (laughs) (laughs) They all lit up for you. You are the sorting hat. Because for this one, at least like as you answer the questions, it tells you like what the percentage is like as you're going along. That is so funny. I wonder what it would have. So Pottermore did have a sorting quiz, right. but then when Pottermore became <laughs> Wizarding World, I guess they got rid of the Ilvermorny one. It what, says what the, if you have this, to get transferred because of that. I know, right? They're like, I'm sorry, you can't be here. Um, <laughs> this extended version of the Pottermore Ilvermorny sorting quiz takes into account every single quiz question in order to determine your house accurately. The grading scheme that is used is exactly the same as in Pottermore. You can click the house crests in order to show or hide the percentage scores. And so I just like didn't watch them while I was going through. And then I scrolled back up to the top and I was like, oh, okay, I got 25%. <laughs> you think that it wouldn't be possible to get, right? like it would, you think that there'd be an odd number of questions to avoid this very scenario. Yes. Yeah. I can't be the only one that had this happen, but we aren't hearing about it. <laughs> Maybe you so. are. I don't know. Maybe you're just that unique. That I literally can't fit anywhere. You can't put me into a box. You, you literally have your own house. Then why aren't yes, you a Yes, James, now we're talking. <laughs> house meets. So, um, any final thoughts, Zuhair, before we get into our favorites? Um, favorite just random section. things that I've been uh, thinking about. One was the, the Facebook post that I made a while back about the relationship, about how starting this new cinematic journey for harry potter they could take a couple of notes out of what disney's doing with star wars and marvel Mm. and um specifically it's because animation podcast if they actually had animated series or shorts that just kind of expand the world a little bit outside of what our main story is like can you imagine like a 15 minute short film of just luna doing luna things oh yeah, and I would love that. Like a short that's just 
the day in the life of Hagrid. Like, yeah, what yeah. I want a Hagrid like. show so bad. Um, <laughs> so I think the the opportunities really are there of just making this so much bigger than it is. It's it's like with Star Wars, you get so caught up with Jedi that you forget that there's other aspects to it. So it's like I don't want it to be so caught up on our three main characters of Harry Potter that we forget like how much yeah, more the of Hogwarts is out there. And then maybe even after the series is over, like exploring some of the other schools. Um, so I would like that like what if style of template where it's just cute animated shorts that just shows like why Hogwarts is so respected and why these students want to be there and what the other houses go through. And I do really want to see our three characters just interact with people and from more houses more like whether you see them walking in the hallway together or having a meal. Like, like I, I get that it's very intentionally separated, but like, I just want to, I want to see that inclusiveness yeah, a bit more like more how the it. game did. Yeah. I just thought of an episode. What if Hermione never got a Hogwarts letter? Ooh, that would be really like what her, like her, what her life would be. Do you think she'd become a dentist like her parents? Oh my god! Probably. I feel like, but like she, I like, think it would be even funnier because like maybe she still has that magical ability, yeah. but like somehow she didn't get the letter, oh. and then she's noticing all of these like she goes about her life the normal Muggle way, but then she's like noticing all of these like differences she's within the world of the, like, the witch. Like she notices like the just the random extrinsicities of the wizarding world and she's trying to like logically explain it with science and mathematics yeah. and all this. I was just like, that's not possible because of this and this and this. But then like something hap like something big happens and like she gets introduced to the wizarding world, but then Ooh, finds like out that. that she should have been a, like a witch this entire time okay the only thing that i have to add to that because i'm loving it is that she starts a dentistry school <laughs> oh. so yeah, that's what she's she like would. doing and then i love that idea where she's like explaining away the magic yeah if she could brain use is magic so to give me fillings that'd be great right? i'd probably go yeah do my cleanings <laughs> a lot more often <laughs> but yeah the last thing that i kind of had is uh I, I think about how much I love the Alex Ryder series and how that was the only book series I was able to get excited whenever a new one hit the shelf and want to read through it. But the movie was absolute garbage and they scrapped it and never did anything after that. And I think about how great the Harry Potter books are and how loved they are, but there was no guarantee that that movie was going to work right off the bat. Because it really was something unique. And in the early 2000s, yeah. like you were limited with your. So I was like, I get why the director had to do certain things the way that he did, whether it be a quicker pace or needing to leave things out in hopes to keep people engaged. That's not an excuse for the later movies. Um, if I had to rank everything, I can't rank movies by themselves. I have to rank them in pairs. And Half-Blood Prince and Order of the Phoenix was always at the bottom. And at that point, it's like you have no excuse. Uh, so I definitely need to read those books because I just did not enjoy those movies as much as the rest. Mm. But I, I can't wait until you read those books. I yeah, know. I, There's that. I just wish we could just dive in right now and yeah. just have you like Ooh. speed yeah. read Ooh. all the books. Ooh. You know what we could do is for what you haven't read, do a pre um, peeves season interview with you. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then do a post season one. 
Okay. Yeah, all I'll, all I'll say that I'm looking forward to that I've heard a lot about is Funeral. I'll leave it at that. Oh. That's something that I've heard about them. I would have thought the Triwizard Tournament. <laughs> yeah, but all right. Um, so yeah, I, I understand why they did certain things as they did. Um, I always appreciate James's like director perspective when I'm listening to these episodes. Uh, because there's I've there's so much that logic I've, has to be thrown pre- in both, unfortunately. <laughs> but overall I just I love this franchise and I'm glad that it's getting like a like a reboot. So and what do you appreciate about Sarah right. Day? I was about to, oh, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I thought you were going with yourself. I, I thought about it first, and then I was like, no, I'll do Sarah Day. Yeah. Wow, okay. My, my I know, crickets. <laughs> Thanks, Zoo. Wow, the rejection. <laughs> what do you appreciate about Meigs? Uh... <laughs> No, he he said Meeks because he. he oh, Montage and Rush! Like I've been thinking nothing but like, like the expanded world because of how much you want to see. Like that's all I've been thinking about is like strategic ways yeah. of trying to like work it in there. Like you really have my brain getting like all creative on like yeah. how to but make this world as big as it is. That's my specialty: is annoyingly putting ideas into people's brains. <laughs> I, I mean, she's the reason why we're all here, anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am she's, I? Yeah. 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 You're, you're the, the one that said, one let's start a podcast. Said, let's start oh. a podcast. <laughs> and I we mean, were like, you were an absolute yes. Light, and I cannot express that enough. I do insert myself into anything that I'm interested in and force others to um, be a part of it. So there's some background for you listeners. Meigs sent a message in a group chat that we're all a part of. And she was like, we were talking about like Harry Potter or something. And she was like, Sarah Day, James, we totally need to get together and do a podcast. And we were just that crazy enough. Both me and Sarah Day, we were just crazy enough to yeah, say yes. Yeah, 100% in. <laughs> oh. It's so and weird we to are. think about Crazy that. enough to agree with Meigs. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird to think about that. Sarah Day stalked me off of no. um, okay. the Stranded Panda group one day. No. <laughs> saw a mutual friend. Okay. okay, here's what happened. <laughs> we'll tell, okay, this is how everything came to be, Should okay? move a few points so, from Gryffindor? We're, no, we're all in, um, James, Meigs, Zuhair, and I are all in a Facebook group for another podcast. We've talked about that before. And I had posted something one time and I like to see like when people react, I like to see how many people liked it, how many people loved it, how many people laughed at it. And some, I forget exactly what happened, but Zuhair had like laughed at something and it was like, you have one mutual friend. And I'm like, that's crazy. This, this wild podcast group. And I have a mutual friend. So I looked who it was and it's a local friend. Turns out Zuhair and I live about an hour and a half from each other, which is even crazier. I love that. And then I think that's when I messaged you or something. And you specifically said, like, sorry, I was stalking you, but I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, I'm not saying that to be an ass. Like, you specifically used the words that you stalked me. It's a completely different type of stalking. (laughs) In this same group, there was somebody who on her, not even in the group, but on her personal page, well, we're friends now. She had said that she is, she was visiting the, um, 
the state that I grew up in. And then I was like, oh my goodness, you were there. And then she's like, well, now I'm in California where I am. And then it turns out she was staying like an hour away from me oh, randomly. Nice. And so we, we met up. So it was cause I was stalking her, um, her post. <laughs> Great. So I'm Facebook. not the only Facebook stalker. Yeah, here. exactly. So yeah, me and Sarah Day started the game soon after that. in the first podcast that we were on, I was doing after darks on a regular basis. That's where I met meegs and she was an absolute delight on the first day so we were like just talk more from there and then both of you guys got into fantasy became patrons got to meet james off of that on an after show so it's just it's weird how like these small moments in our lives like just kind of Mm -hmm. bring people together build up these these big moments from my perspective you are fantastic i saw you guys on the mcu casts like when you guys started the like the hero the the fantasy <laughs> heroes thing, yeah, I saw you like I watched the video and like saw you guys and I was like, oh, that's so cool! I want to like get, be a part of this as mm-hmm. much as I possibly can. And so like I, I <laughs> it was put into a team and I was like make I, they made me the captain and so I was like making like the team like go through and I just was so excited about all the points and stuff and so like when you guys were like patrons I was like yes I can contribute <laughs> so I contributed and then just like to like be a part of that was like pretty cool it's just so- to be like i'm talking to the people i see on my like my computer <laughs> screen this is so cool I felt being on the mcu cast <laughs> yeah. oh um sorry my headphone just died so i'm probably going to pick up your feedback but that's how i felt um being on the mcu cast because i've been listening to them since early agents of shields so i'm like i cannot believe i'm on the podcast talking to these guys what a fun, so yeah fun i never thought I never assumed that I would be on the show, but I am very, very happy that you guys invited me because it's been fun. Of course. It's kind of a given that we were going to invite you on at some point. Now, Zuhair, you haven't answered yet. What do you appreciate about Sarah Day's perspective on the PZ podcast? So it's Sarah Day. It's a lot of fun because like I call her every day. So it's like she'll get really into something. It's it really it really does come down just to the passion that she has for this world Mm -hmm. and just being so dedicated to like wanting for all of it to make sense sometimes it gets a little off the rails as we had in our (laughs) ahsoka talk in our group chat today where we have to we have to fight for a lot of the little things but overall it's like just the passion and just the the excitement for all the things and the excitement for world building is fun so much fun. like sometimes i won't even like listen to the rest of the episode i'll just call her and be like the answer just could have been in that episode i'll find out later <laughs> but <laughs> so here, I, just I call gave her you like back, every other day so i gave you back the 10 points from gryffindor that um sarah day took away from you earlier so now you're at zero i think i deserve like five bonus points but sure <laughs> well we can go over that at the end i helped you find your true identity too we affirmed that today okay. like as oh. of tomorrow your little graphic is going to have a little bit of green on it Okay, I'm giving you 20 more points. So now Gryffindor's in the lead. See, that's all it takes listeners to win, is to just say nice things about us. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we move on to our favorite section of the day? Let's do it. Let's give Zuhair a little disclaimer, because he seems to have been prepared, but the three of us kind of forgot that we were supposed to do a peace, pleasure, peace, peeve, and we Okay, salute. first of all, no, I did not. 
Oh, you did do it. <laughs> I have a peeves pleasure and a peeves peeves and a wizard uh, Weasley salute for the book. Oh, so it was just me for and the books that forgot. Yeah, I'll take a point away from our house. Link. Both of our houses. <laughs> so we're at nine now. Sorry, James. Sorry to lump you in with our laziness. Just to clarify. <laughs> you were on vacation. Yes. yes. And we uh, had to evacuate our beach house because of a hurricane. And you were in a hurricane. And you also came up with the scripts for every single episode that we've done. So I feel like okay, I'm giving you I'm giving you your point back. Oh, thank you so much. I'm in the I'm in um I'm losing. Because I'm there's, in Slytherin. There's so many like questions I have about Meeks being in charge of the point system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually a very, very honest person with points and I, I'm losing, so Minor in Ravenclaw, I knew. No, you're in Gryffindor for this. But my test said that I'm Gryffindor. Your test said that you're Ravenclaw, right? Yeah, but James is like Ravenclaw through and through. That is true. He made man Raven. minored in Ravenclaw, so we have to take. I have minors. been a Ravenclaw. I'm not even forever. anything is Slytherin. I'm only doing that for the sake of the point system here. <laughs> And I'm losing. I should be winning. I'd really love for you to take the test again, though, Meeks, because your wand and your Patronus scream Slytherin, and I'd really like to see you. You know, it's not a bad thing to be a Slytherin. Okay. No, it's not. Sure. It's not a bad and thing. And that's why exist. I want more I... inclusiveness in the freaking show, because, like, Ron sees Slytherin as bad. And there's that one line, it's like, all the bad guys, they end up being Slytherin, but it's like, even in the game, it's just like there's people who are just like, I'm in school and I'm the snake dude. I'm wearing green. Cool. Let me just go about my day now. And it's it's just so sad for them. I'm literally going to take the quiz right now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't wait. We'll have to pause the podcast and re- come back when she's taking it. So, listeners, just so that you know, there was a little bit of like a pause. You'll, you'll hear a pause because Meigs was taking the quiz again. And now she's going to learn what the results are. What do we all think that I'm going to get? I think I'm going to get Hufflepuff. I think it'll still be Ravenclaw Slytherin. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm thinking Slytherin. Uh, Why does I'm, I'm, go, think I'm, I'm gonna... going Slytherin? Only because it would be hilarious. Because of your wand and your Patronus, and it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying you're a bad person, Meigs. <laughs> okay, That's I'm going to hit continue. <laughs> <laughs> welcome have fun now, now have fun editing now we all have those to trains <laughs> no, you're staying arabic law on the cover art <laughs> you're always a slytherin in my heart wow thanks <laughs> I, I guess i have to redo my patronus and my wand and everything all right that's for another day though but Okay, thanks for coming along on that journey with me, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so Meigs is just a perfect match for both me and Sarah Day because Sarah Day's super Hufflepuff. I'm super Ravenclaw. She's just in between. I'm obviously half floating half, in the middle. Yeah. Well, it's half so funny that you got 25%. I, okay, we don't have to do this on the podcast, but one day I want you to take, not on Pottermore, but there's, like you said, for the Ilver Morning School where it listed all of the percentages, they have that for the Hogwarts one too. And you need to do that and see. Make sure it matches. What the percentages are. Okay. Get this. That's all the listeners' homework assignment. I'm it's just post in the Facebook group what your percentages are. Please do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Half. Half. <laughs> That's the most Hufflepuff thing you've said all day. Thank you. 
<laughs> Fully embracing that. <laughs> okay, well, right, couple pups so. have patience, and I don't. So, um, I think I have zero. That's my that's yeah. my my worst Hufflepuff quality yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Peeves, pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Suher, I believe, is going first. Yeah, um, you guys have mentioned this enough, so it's nothing new, but I cannot get over how incredible the set design and the music is all around. Um, because, like I said from the get-go, setting that foundation is what's going to be crucial for what's essentially going to be the next eight-plus years of the storytelling. And it, we're talking, what, 25-ish years later? since that movie came out uh there's no excuse for it to be nothing but up you know you have no reason to not have consistent set designs you have all the budget with max you have all the support from fans to make sure that you put enough money in to do it right uh so having those sets right having the design right having the colors the wardrobe like all that stuff like you have a fresh slate you don't have to compare it to how the original was but there is a standard of like how you need to keep it and they did such a wonderful job like there's there's no excuse not to nail it uh in regards to the music i don't think that they do need to keep all of it i think that they can get creative because there's even times with newer star wars content where like mandalorian and ahsoka for example like they have the music for these characters and for these sets but they have they like they throw in a little bit of the original Star Wars stuff, like where it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a perfect, beautiful hybrid, and I hope that the Harry Potter creators are able to do that uh, for this new show as well. And I think that they will. I mean, I think that they know going into this, like they're going to have such a huge budget. There's no way that they won't. And mm-hmm. you know, they're gonna they're gonna have the best people planning everything out, and you know, I think they're gonna do a, a really good job. Yeah, I like to think that they wouldn't do it if they weren't confident that they were going to make the fans happy. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm sure that there's plenty of people at Max who grew up watching the Harry Potter films that love them to death mm-hmm. and would want nothing more to do to, do, do justice. I'm mm-hmm. sure. James? Oh, it's my turn? Okay, so <clears throat> my peeves pleasure for the entire film. Uh, is the, and this is, okay, listeners, call it a cop-out. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. But it is the acting, uh, the the people that were chosen as the characters. Like, How would that be a cop-out? Because some people would say, like, because, like, like, some people would say that that's, like, always, like, what people say. And I just can't say it enough. Like, I agree, moment. like, everybody that was chosen did really well i mm-hmm. like there yes there could have been more and yes there were parts of the characters that that in the book were just missing out and we didn't get enough of and, and all that stuff but like the movies did a really good job in choosing well i mean choosing the kid actors for one like that's like that was like a shot in the dark for sure you did not know how that was going to turn out but it turned out great and like somebody totally was looking out for that and like uh just all the pieces like all the pieces like just fit really well but like then just choosing the actors who are helping guide these 
child actors and like they're like learning from them and all that stuff like alan rickman and maggie smith and the Mm -hmm. fact that these actors said yes to doing this unknown project (laughs) at the time Mm -hmm. like it was a book phenomenon i'm sure but like i bet you none of those actors read the book before they were before they were auditioning to be put into this movie like I'm pretty confident like some of those adult actors never heard of Harry Potter up until the point that they were cast in the movie. So like they were taking a chance into it and yet they did it so well because they were just, they're just respectable people in of itself. They, they truly love their art so much. British actors in general, just in my opinion, take the, take the arts and just, send it sky high uh because they love and trust it so much that ian mckellen is a really great example because he does the movies great he does tv shows great he does theater still like he will do anything and everything just for the heck of it because he loves art so much and all of them do that maggie dame maggie smith richard harris they're all great actors that chose to do this role and said I am going to do it to the best of my ability and then hit it out of the park. Yeah. I There was never really an acting choice where I was disappointed with the character that they chose <laughs> because I was just like, yeah, that like this, this makes me happy uh, that these are able, these people were able to bring these characters to life. Something I really want to see is some of these actors just play cameos in the show. Like, not even reprising the role in any way. But, like, even, like, the first pub that Harry walks into and everyone recognizes him. Like, if Daniel Radcliffe just comes up, says, Mr. Potter, so nice to meet you! And then, it's like, just goes to the next person. <laughs> Little things like that would be so much fun. Um, Dan I love that. has said that he doesn't want to. And I don't know if he'd, if he'd cameo or not. But I always love the passing of the torch, so to say. Um, yeah. For instance, in Little Mermaid... Um, Jodie Benson handed a dinglehopper to Haley Bailey's Little Mermaid. And so like to see that, to have oh, Dan Radcliffe cute. come and shake his hand, that would be the perfect passing of the torch. Yeah. I just finished my um, my sorting. Are you 25% again? <laughs> no, it didn't give me percentages for this one. I was on the same site that did the Ilvermorny one. Guess what house I got? <laughs> what? Slytherin. Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> she is between both Ravenclaw yeah. and Hufflepuff. Yeah. yeah. I think if you, I think that means you're a true Ravenclaw, though. Why? Two. First, your original was Ravenclaw, and then you took Pottermore again. You got Hufflepuff, but this one asks you all the questions. The Pottermore one goes through certain questions, mm-hmm. but the percentage one gives you them all. So if you did it again, then. All of the questions lead to Ravenclaw. It's just And you asked why instead of just taking it. I contain contain multitudes. So Meigs, Mrs. Ravenclaw, what is your peeves pleasure? Um, I'm copying Zuhair and it's the um like the music and the set design and all of that. I think they did such a fantastic job of making everything magical. The music was I I mean absolutely flawless um for not only just being a great score to go along with the film that was created but it completely set the tone for the whole series 
and the way that they were then able to adapt the score to be the same original score, but match what was going on for all of the other movies. They did such a, they did such a good job with that. So I think that that was just totally amazing. I was going to say music as well. So I'm just going to go ahead and side with James this time then and say acting because it all, I agree with everything that you guys have said. It, everything was great. Um, that a cop out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you guys took mine. Okay. Let me, let me, hold on. Give me a minute and let me think if I can come up with something. Nice. nice the joyfulness the yeah. the um like i guess it it still kind of takes everything that you guys just said the acting the music and the set design that all comes together and just creates this ambiance of joy and it's just a feel-good movie so many people do harry potter marathons on christmas it is such a good it's like i watch it's always on tv at the christmas time so um, yeah, the I love how they portrayed just what Harry Potter's all about and that like this sense of belonging. Yeah, that's so sweet. It's funny you say that because this is one of the other points that I've been thinking about that I forgot until now. And it's I was because of me it's like infiltrating my brain and making me think about how to make the show. It has me wondering, like, what does a cliffhanger look like in this show? Like, what does the end of an episode look like? Because the end of a chapter typically is on a happy note. It's I had a great match. It's this is what my train ride was like. It's, it's I'm at the school now. Mm-hmm. So there's so much of this show that ends with such upliftment. Is that going to be a problem in engaging the crowd? Right, because. Not only are you well. appealing to the people who love the books, but you could be appealing to people who have never read the books, never watched the movies and are doing this, like watching the show for the first time because they're getting peer pressured into it. Uh, so what is the vibe <laughs> that's going into going for? Are you going to be making it more intense at the end of every episode? Or are you actually going to ride the vibe of what the books were like, where it actually is pretty relaxed at the end of each chapter? Well, you'll have to tune in next week when we do our episode breakdown and see what we have to say about that. (laughs) Okay, so um, Zuhair, what was your peeves peeve about the adaptation? (laughs) Excuse my language. I do not like that this movie made James and Lily look like a bitch when they did the flashbacks of Voldemort, like, killing them basically like they were not as famous as they were for not being able to hold their own right like i understand like how powerful voldemort is but the way that it was depicted of lily just holding harry and crying like she doesn't even have her wand out she's not trying to fight him back she's not like pushing but she's like no don't hurt me my baby it's like no 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 you cannot give them this high of a reputation and make them seem like so squeamish and weak by the end of this. I don't know if there's any like future evidence that shows that this wasn't appropriate showing, but for someone who read the book once and watched the movie this week, I did not like that one bit. <laughs> Zuhara, <I laughs> Give love your them honesty. the respect they deserve. I love your honesty. I love it. That's a great point. I never really considered that, to be honest. Like, that's a cool little like mm-hmm. difference that I really wouldn't have 
like considered Did at all. Not like it. And I might be mistaken, and I think it's in the third book when the Dementors are here and he relives that moment. And I think you do hear James at least try to fight back yeah. a little bit more. Like he's like Lily, he's here, he's here. Um and then I don't I don't really remember if they describe what Lily's doing, but Yeah, they do because it's really scarring for Harry to yeah. to experience because And he hears her scream. She's um begging for her for Voldemort to spare Harry. It's like please please spare Harry, let him live. I you know, do what you want to me, but like let him live. Yeah, so I've already like explained like how I want episode one to go i really want episode two to like peek into this trauma like Mm. i i want the episode to start with just like a flash of green and like hearing the scream right and while it from my understanding hasn't gone into full detail i would love to see this added scene at some point throughout the series where we just live it where James is standing at the door, like trying to hold up a barrier and going one-on-one with Voldemort because these people have been going to these schools to like essentially major in things, right? Like they're not all in school to be warriors in any sense. So for Voldemort to have this power, like there's no way that James and Lily are just going to like sit back with the reputations that they have. So I want to, I want to see this final stand of like James guarding the door and then losing that battle and Voldemort coming up and Lily at least like trying to hold him back and protect Harry. Like the the way that Goblet of Fire ends where they they help their son, like I want that energy and that essence to be more in that scene and show why they were famous, why Voldemort was after them, like why it mattered. I, I don't think there was nearly enough emotional significance uh, that I feel like that storyline deserves. I hear what you're saying about how they're portrayed, but the thing with Voldemort is he's not going to hesitate. He probably came right in Avada Kedavra James. And the thing is with that curse, there's no counter. There's no protective spell. There's nothing you can do to prevent that curse from hitting you. So I don't know how much fighting back he could have done. Didn't Voldemort and Harry duel with that curse a couple times, though? And he fought back? So they and have a twin wand core. So their okay, wands are connected. Okay. okay, so even if it is that there's no counter and they get killed right away, like I still think there's a better way to portray that and portray like at least the effort of yeah. trying to protect themselves. It, or just like the fear and the, the domination that Voldemort has. Yeah. I, I, I completely see what you're saying. Because he just kind of walks in and he's all flowing in his little yeah. robe. Yeah. No, I want to hear them like trying to pack and figure out a plan. And like, we don't know what to do. He's after us. And just hearing yeah. like the key part sound and like everything just stops. Like he's here. The, yeah. the, the potential is there. And they're, yeah. they're like, I want to be able to watch that scene and have to pause it and just process like what I just saw, even though I know yes. exactly what happens. That's it's the emotion that I'm going for. And they did well, not capture that. Well, don't hurt my baby. Right. And um, James and Lily are so young when this happens, too. They're only mm-hmm. in their early 20s when this happens. So it to see 
that emotion and that tragedy of this young couple just perishing from this guy and just really explain why we need to fear him yes this guy yeah it's just not explained in depth really so yeah that's my peeve i don't like how underwhelming voldemort is until the fourth movie and i i don't like that how lily and james were portrayed for how much importance that they have in the series no i get that to clarify real quick um the the havana the killing curse is unblockable so like if you put a shield spell up it wouldn't have any effect it would just go straight through it um but you can dodge the green bolt you can block it with a physical barrier you can use like um um you you can like like accio something in front of you kind of scenario okay there Um, we go uh, or you uh, or apparently you can like disapparate like you could just uh, really disapparate away from it and just um disappear before it hits you interesting because it's got to make physical contact with your body if it doesn't make physical contact with your body it doesn't affect you okay good to know okay so here there we go so we can get a showdown and i want that showdown okay i want to cry after if i'm not crying Mm -hmm. and it's not that difficult to do with me yes okay so i just texted um to her a few yesterday i think i've been watching rebels so that i can watch ahsoka and i've been doing like every so many characters or episodes i'm sorry just the ahsoka uh, important ones and so i barely know these characters and a character dies and i'm like bawling in the car driving home from the beach and i'm texting zoo hair like I'm, i don't even know these characters so yes like you can there's no reason not to make this an emotional impact yeah yep yeah i think that's what <laughs> as i've told you i think when people are consuming content they're trying to have the logic so that they can anticipate because that just that seems to be a common culture now where it's like you want to know all the possibilities so that your anxiety doesn't take over when you're watching it. And I understand that perspective. But for me, it's like when I start a film or a show, I get enveloped in like this fantasy world. Like I just totally leave everything that's in my life and just get fixated on what I'm watching. So even if something is expected and logical and I know it's going to come and it still gives me an emotional reaction, that's a success. And that's, yeah. that's the standard that I have for the series. Cool. Good. I like it. My peeves peeves is for the life of me. <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, and I probably went into this a little bit uh, in the podcast. I can't remember if I've, I've if I've covered it or not. But I cannot stand. Cannot. 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 Cannot stand. Harry, Hermione, and Ron becoming friends all of a sudden. <laughs> like, I remember it this. <laughs> does not make physical sense. Like, it just one day you hate each other, the next day you're like helping each other with like your like quizzes and stuff. Like, what? Where did this come from? Just because you saved her from a troll, she's like automatically like 
hey like you're my best friend now like where like there was we experienced no... trauma together yay best friend <laughs> there, there was no satisfying thing there whereas in the book they they discover the commonalities that they have and just earn that respect and that always frustrated me every time i watched the movie even without like considering the book and like what they didn't include in all of that stuff like i would always watch it and be like why do they like each other all of a sudden like it just doesn't make sense and then i discovered the deleted scene where it was like 15 seconds of content and like they now apparently like, they would show that like small little bit of like respect and stuff and i'm just like where was this? I would have been satisfied with this. This would have like totally made my like gripe the entire time <laughs> better. And they just didn't include it until years later when they did like a special edition and, and had it included into the movie. And like, I didn't even know deleted scenes existed until I started this podcast, <laughs> but it's just that will always forever be my frustration. Like, with the movie in general is just not being able to flesh out the relationships properly. I, cause I could go on into like Neville and I can go on to like other people yeah. and it's just like Albus Dumbledore and Harry's relationship. Like I want more out of, I wanted more out of those, but I didn't get them. And that's only because like, I really care about the relationships these characters have in the stories because the relationships you have are what makes you a character, like a character intriguing to me. And, like, the only reason I love these characters is because of the relationships they have with the people around them. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it, it, that's what drives me to adore TV shows and adore movies and stuff is just, I has to have a very satisfying character that has satisfying relationships so that your choices have impact and importance and all that stuff. And when you just, have them magically get along all of a sudden you're like you just threw out half the movie and you're just like what the like what is this like what was the point so that will forever be my frustration with sorcerer's down yeah it was amazing seeing that the movie was over two and a half hours long i was wondering how you guys said that it felt rushed and it was just like yeah i i see it now it's just one of those things where it's like all right on to the next thing <laughs> Yeah, there's just too much content to be able to put into one movie. That's it's, yeah. it's as simple as that. And this is the first one, the shortest book. So I think just in general, how much they just cut out. They cut out so many characters. They cut out so much of the um, personalities. Um, mm -hmm. And especially with the main characters, you know, like fl they just flattened everybody. And um, I feel like the only one that they, not the only one, I okay, of the trio, I think Hermione they kept her pretty on brand. And then um, I think like Dumbledore and McGonagall. Oh, no, they were flatter too. Maybe it is really only Hermione that they like, that I feel like was the most accurate. Um, and the rest of them were kind of flat, but anyways. Your so point just... with Dumbledore and the candy stuck with me hard when I was reading. Yes. The... Yeah. Or when I was rewatching it. So I just feel like everything was kind of flattened and I don't appreciate that. So hopefully that changes for the show. What about Hagrid? What about Hagrid? Yeah. What did you think about Hagrid? Um, I feel like um, they took away some of his personality. I feel like he was like funnier in the book and just kind of more of everything in the book. And so I think that they got like the general gist of him in the movie. But, yeah. you know. 
He's not as, like, he doesn't make as many mistakes, I feel like, in the movies as he does the books. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) (laughs) My peeves. I I also want to say how much they cut, but I don't want to steal another answer. But it really is. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're just the rushing. I, it's just what I'm excited for the show. For, that they just have so much more time to work with. Um, and I know that we've just said before, we can't, we know that you can only do so much in a two hour film, but they did leave so much out. So, yeah, cutting Neville, cutting the potion scene changing you know flattening the characters so i'm just con- condensing it the contention is my peeve is there an episode well, count the, you like, guys were expecting hmm? is there an episode count that you guys were expecting you'll have to find out during our episode breakdown okay i'll call my shot that episode one's gonna be eight or season one's gonna be eight episodes hmm. Hmm. why do i made that? that i made that sort of work I think it's going to be eight one-hour episodes, and I think they're going to bring a lot of the chapters together, and yeah. they're going to be very thematic and very arc-related, which is what I appreciate about like animes. Um, so I think there actually is going to be, like I said, chapter one needs to be its own, and then it is just going to be Harry's life in the Muggle world, and then it is going to be him discovering and then being at Hogwarts. Like I don't anticipate Hogwarts showing up until about episode four really yeah gee whiz and then everything just happens in four episodes possibly okay i don't even remember what my breakdown is <laughs> don't you remember my breakdown that was that's, that's fine i'll listen similar. to it later that's just that's just mine at the top of my head mine was very similar to what you were kind of like suggesting because i had put put it into eight episodes but there's a lot you have to like you have to like very strategically put it together and stuff but listeners will find that out in like two weeks can't wait or one week from this from the next yeah it's the next episode all right so zuhair what was your weasley salute um my weasley salute goes to snape hagrid and hermione i think that they were perfect in terms of book two movie, I think they're the most accurate. They're the only ones that just didn't have like um, anything to say in regards. Like they should have done this more, that more. Like when I was reading it, I thought that Hermione was a little more annoying. And then when I watched it, I was like, no, she actually did nail this. But they could have just done more in terms of it. It's because of cramming. You just didn't get enough of it. But she didn't do a bad job at all. Um, so it, it really does go to their, those characters and their depictions, whether it was spot on with the book or they added their own flavor to it, like in Snape's instance, I think that they did a fantastic job and they were the only ones that I really didn't have any notes on where it's like, I do want to see more of the Weasley brothers. I made my comments about Harry and Ron. Um, there, there was a lot of things that were missing, but I think those three were the closest things to perfect from those depictions. Awesome, I love it. Uh, my Weasley salute is 
really more like book focused than it is like movie focused but like the weasley salute goes in, in into regards like what i'm most excited for f- with the tv show so as i've read the book and as i've kind of envisioned it with this mindset of like how would the tv show portray it and like what i really want to see out of it the like made me really want to like rank all of the chapters which i haven't really done yet uh, but i want to rank all the chapters of the book and like go from like favorite to like to not so like i like it i like it but like it wasn't my like favorite chapter it was like it was filler episode to me kind of scenario um but if i did that the top of my list is the mirror of erised chapter like i read that chapter and i loved it so much and it made me remember like so many things that i felt and like it made me experience some more feelings about it and i learned a little bit more about it and i just wanted some more and i i could totally see that being a whole chapter or just a whole episode of just pure um, like um, imagination and this didn't make it into my episode breakdown which you'll find out soon but so i'll mention it here but i really want that episode to just be its whole like christmas episode type scenario where the first half is like all happy and and like exciting and all that stuff and then you switch to this more sad depressed topic where Mm -hmm. harry discovers his family and he's learning about them through the mirror and and dumbledore talking to him about it and just the compare and the contrast and like it's so such an episodic moment that it needs to be its own episode as its own chapter like it it, in order to delve deep into it and in into what jk rowling put on paper in order to put that on the screen you really need to take that apart and just truly dissect all the emotions all the feelings all of the things that that chapter gives you and i feel like that's the best chapter to be turned into an episode because uh, of all the amazing uh, all the amazing little things that you can do with it so my weasley salute is to the mirror of erisa chapter is like my favorite chapter because uh it made me realize that you can do more with this content yeah i know it's repeating it who cares we're getting more of this world and we get to explore more feelings that we did not get to explore in the movies at all and i'm excited about that because that's what makes great storytelling and if you can tell a story like even if it's a story you've heard before if you can tell a story in a specific way that makes you feel something that you haven't felt before, then you're doing it correctly. And that's what I'm super excited for. Delivery is so key to this. All right, Meigs, what's your Weasley salute? My Weasley salute is the acting of the children, baby Dan and baby Emma and baby Rupert. Um, I think they did such a good job, especially for being so young and a lot of them didn't have any acting experience. And I think that they did a fantastic job. Yep. My Weasley salute is Hagrid um, with an honorable mention of Hedwig because um, like, as you said, so many, so many times, James, that Hagrid just takes in 
this like broken little child and he's there throughout the entire series and he's loyal to Harry and he's loyal to Dumbledore throughout the entire series um and then Hedwig is as well and they're both not only are they loyal to Harry and that they're always there for him but they're companions to him and he's new to this world he's never had anybody and like Ron and Hermione are different because they're his best friends um but like I don't know there's just something different about Hagrid and Hedwig um as these side characters um, but still play an important role. I like it. No, it's so true that they are side, they're quote unquote side characters, but yeah, they're all still like super important. Well, any other final thoughts before we sign off here, friends? (laughs) Do we have any last points that we need to, um, to discuss? Do you have any um, Meeg's lightning round? No, I I mean, I I could, but I did not prepare any sort of lightning round. And it's very late for all of us. So (laughs) (laughs) it is. All right. So next time, Ickle for we will be discussing our ideal breakdown of the episodes for season one. Zuhair, thank you so much for joining us and causing havoc with us today. Where can people find you? Yeah, check out uh, Animation Deliberation wherever you find your podcast, and any way that you are on social media. That is the show that I am on the that I'm at. I am a co-host for. I hope that Harry Potter eventually does some animated content so that we can find our loophole to cover it on there. Uh, currently, we're covering uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, My Adventures with Superman just ended, and then popular movies like Across the Spider Verse and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Definitely an exciting time, and no shortage of content over there. I am also on uh, the 323 with Reed Murphy while the NFL season is going on. We do weekly breakdowns and uh, call our shots for all the games that are upcoming. Sorry, it's like I'm just realizing how tired I am. Um, Me too. (laughs) (laughs) So those are the two shows that I am uh, frequently on. And if you want to follow me on my Instagram, it's Zoo, the Z followed by five U's. Zuhara Lee is the name. Uh, Thank you guys so much for having me. And I can't wait to come back to talk Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. Yeah. I can finally (laughs) read the book now. (laughs) So everybody, you can find me at James M. Beltran on TikTok and Instagram. And I will have... Plenty of upcoming projects for that, so uh, go ahead and check me out there. And you can find me, Meegs, on mainly on Instagram at M-E-G-A-N dot L-A-C-H-O-W-S-K-I. I said dot, I meant underscore, that's Megan underscore Lachowski. And then from there, you can find all of my other projects. I always think um, Monsters, Inc. with your name. Yeah. Mike Wazowski. I get that all the time. <laughs> Uh, you can find me, Sarah Day, on Instagram at captain.mcd. That's M-C-D-E-E. And you can find my other pro- projects over there as well, like Fantasy Heroes. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram and TikTok at PeevesGabFest. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen and leave a five-star review. If you're as mischievous as we are, please consider joining our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash If you have any feedback, 
please leave us a voicemail at 409-422-3378. That's 409-GABFEST. Or you can email us at peevesgabfest at gmail.com. Also, please come join the discussion in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash peevesgabfest. Until next time, go Firsties. Mischief managed.